1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.
3: I don't know if in preseason
2: you're thinking challenge flags, but I was curious how, how much consideration you had on the Jacoby play that looked like it was close, um, or if that's not really what you're yeah, thinking about I don't in know. preseason. Yeah. Didn't it feel like challenging.
1: Sometimes you get a long answer from Bill Belichick, usually you get a short answer. Didn't feel like doing it. Didn't do it. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. Good morning on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Bad call. Who cares? Maybe you just want to see your offense in third and five. As you said yesterday, Chris, that may be the reason. But whatever the precise reason, Bill Belichick decided to keep it very short, very brief, and literal. I just didn't feel like doing it. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's what's great about him.
3: I don't know why he can't just go, hey, I wanted to see Mac Jones, like, orchestrate a third and five. And let's do blitz pickups and see how we do that. But nonetheless, I mean, it's colorful altogether. I I, I mean, even when he does that, how do you not laugh? It Really? You know, I just, I kind of chuckle every time I see those type of reactions from Bill Belichick.
1: And the strange thing about Belichick, while there are many things that are unusual in comparison to the rest of us mere mortals who are barely struggling to get by where he is the greatest coach of all time in any sport, I don't want to disrespect him here, but every once in a while, every once in a while, somebody presses the right button and he goes, right, and he goes, right, and he goes, but you never know when that's going to happen. It's usually some old school football concept, like to ask him about the single wing and how it was deployed by Army in 1943, and he'll go for 45 minutes on that. Yeah, no, definitely. You're right. I mean, it's
3: those type of things, football history, Lawrence Taylor. You know, you hear about all-time greats. He'll he'll wax poetically about them. But when it comes to his football team, yeah, don't hold your breath. You're not going to get a lot of answers or detail. That's for sure.
1: And that's why something he said at the outset of camp was so significant at a time when there is a lot of uncertainty about his roster, specifically his quarterback position. He made it clear that Cam Newton is the starter. Well, yesterday, Cam Newton meeting with reporters, addressing the question of whether he's been told he'll be the starter week one. Let's have a listen to what Cam Newton had to say.
3: Cam, has Bill told you yet that you're starting the season opener? Gotta ask. And you know the answer to that question. So I don't. Has he said
2: you are, or does he just say we're taking it day to day? I mean, honestly, he said it back then,
0: but he's kind of had a dot, dot, dot. I mean, y'all sit up here asking silly questions to me, and I'm looking at y'all with the same thing. So I don't I know agree. what y'all want me to say. Was, no, agree. you know that. You know he hasn't said that. So for okay. you to just ask the question, you know, it is what it is. So every single day I'm coming out here with the anticipation to just get better, and and that's that's the only thing that I could do. So I can control that. But as far as somebody else's analogy or interpretation of what week one is, I'm trying to focus on what tomorrow brings and even the adjustments for tonight, tonight's meeting. So.
1: It's not really the question or the answer you expect from the guy who knows he's the starter and a little frustration, a little irritation, maybe a little manifestation of the broader circumstance where he re-signed with the Patriots and then they surprise a lot of people when they make Mac Jones the 15th overall selection in the draft and now the perception slash reality that Jones is quickly gaining ground on Cam Newton, that Jones runs the offense the way they want it to be run without taking too long to make decisions. Maybe Cam feeling a little heat there. And I think he understands that no matter what your status is today, exactly. It's always subject to change tomorrow. I I think that's the big thing.
3: That's the new England way. Like, first off, I don't know if Cam, maybe, maybe he didn't even realize Bill Belichick had made that comment early on in training camp. Either way, Like he knows through the New England way here in year two that it doesn't really matter what he said two, three weeks ago, anyways. It's going to be evaluated on a day to day process. And right now, yeah, I'm sure, you know, he's getting the number one reps, but. Like, that's just not the way things work with New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, you know? I, I got to experience it whether it was there with Josh Daniel and the Denver Broncos when he was the head coach. They're not the type of group that's going around going, hey, you're a starter, you're the starter, you're the starter. Yeah, I mean, Stefan Gilmore knows he's starting. Matt Judon knows they're starting. But the guys who are legitimately in, like, competition and it's not clear-cut, you know, who is the starting guy, and wait, this guy gets some one reps and this guy gets other one reps, they don't talk about it. It's just like you. we're going to evaluate you every day. Go out there, practice, let's see what you got, and if you do well, maybe you'll start the period tomorrow in practice. If not, maybe the other guy will. And it's just such a business, business-like approach that there's no conversations like that in that building, or, or at
1: least very rarely that I've ever heard of. I have kicked around in the past the possibility. Yeah. Possibility, slim as it may be, that quarterback will be a week to week determination based upon the game plan that is determined to be the most strategically advantageous to overcome the defense they're going to be facing. So one week it could be Cam, the next right. week it could be could be cam then it could be mac jones then it could be mac jones for two more games then it's cam again like they do with running backs sure the counter to that is you need your quarterback to kind of be the leader of your team and they've loved the leadership abilities of cam newton but i mean if anyone could pull it off with minimal criticism not that he cares about the criticism but if anyone could pull this off one week at a time day to day we're on to cincinnati And you make a new decision every week as to who your quarterback's gonna be, it's Bill Belichick. No no, no question about that. I mean, Belichick with McDaniels, hey, you say what you
3: want about Josh McDaniels as a head coach or whatever. I know it hasn't been perfect along those lines, but offensive coordinators, definitely one of the best offensive minds, one of the best we've seen in fifteen years. So you're right. Like hey, listen, if there's a couple that could do that, it would be them. It would just be, you know, I think earth shattering if it did happen because of like what you talked about. They're so into the framing of the football team through the quarterback and having that guy be the leader of the the offense and a, a huge presence in the locker room and all those type of things. It's really a core belief that I saw many, many times there. And, you know, I think that's where I guess I just got to see that to believe it. You know, that's that's really what it comes down to. And, hey, like, Mike, You know, I mean, you said it, Mac Jones, we all hear the reports. He's doing better and better. We know. I mean, in the pocket, going through reads and things like that, hey, he's special. He's like a 60-year veteran as far as that comes. So he's probably not far off or every bit as equal as Cam Newton in, in that department. To me, where it really comes down to a big decision for the Patriots is what style of football do they want to play, Mike? That's where they really got to decide it. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about with the week-to-week game plan. I don't see that happening. But, you know, of course, I think if Cam Newton's a starter, it's going to be a short leash and things like that. But I think really the big thing is they just got to figure out the style of attack they want to do. And is that Mac Jones and what we're seeing right now, which is a.k.a. the old Tom Brady, I'm going to pick you apart with my brains and accuracy? Or are they going to want to go wait, we got this offensive line that's special and a running back that's damn good and a quarterback that can do that where we could smash-mouth football and play that style too. That, to me, is the million-dollar question as far as what avenue do they want to take for the 2021
1: Patriots. And I think another aspect of this, although – I know that Bill Belichick focuses on each specific year as its own entity. That's yeah, just yeah. one of the reasons why he's so great. But at the same time, we got one guy who's under contract for four years with a fifth-year option. We got another guy who we've signed to two one-year contracts. We don't know what the future is going to be with him. To the extent there's a future to think about, you know you have it with Mac Jones. You know you're building towards something, and right. you know that – Maybe if you accept that he's not going to be exactly where you want right out of the gates as a rookie, but the experience as a rookie is going to make him better next year when you know he'll be there, better the year after that when you know he'll be there. There's something to be said for that, there too, is. that he's the guy who has, who has bought the house and Cam is still renting I think that's got to be a factor in this. I,
3: I think so. But I think it could be a factor going either way. You're right. I mean, you could take the approach of going like, hey, let's get him out there. He's the future. Let's get him experience and let him play. But we could also be, you know, the opposite thought. First off, we know New England's reluctant to play young players and do that where they could go, wait, we know we got this guy for the next four years after this. We don't need to rush this. The Cam Newton thing, on the other hand, You know, yeah, he's played in some big time football games, a little bit more experience. The way the team's built does can and does fit him and his style of football to where they could also just argue, hey, let's put him on the back burner or just, you know, let him grow as a backup and do those type of things. And then, hey, listen, you know, like I said, if Cam falls apart, then this is a guy that will be ready off the bench, you know, even though as a rookie where he'll be able to do some good things and certainly keep your your team in some good spots.
1: Two preseason games left this year. What do you need to see from Cam to make you think he's the guy ready to go week one and then prove it? one week at a time, that he is the better option for this season.
3: Right. You know, I, I don't think we're going to get to see the full capacity of Cam Newton in the preseason, right, Mike? Like, I have a hard time thinking they're going to do uh, the old play we saw last year, right, where, you know, Cam Newton keeps the ball and they pull the guard and they're running back, the fullback and the tailback lead him up through the hole and do those type of things, right? I don't think we're going to see that aspect. But what I need to see is this type of stuff. This is where he's got to grow. Dropping back as a passer, executing the offense within the pocket. That was where it was less than at times last year. Whether it was, you know, uh, holding the ball too long and sacks, not throwing the appropriate ball as you see right there on a screen pass. I mean, listen, I know somebody was there, but he gives them no chance. That to me is the big thing. Because we know we can run the ball and they can design those type of things. But where they faltered last year is when they got in games where they couldn't run the ball and dominate that way. Their pass game was not good enough to keep them competitive or win the football game. And that's,
1: to me, the thing I'll have my eye on with with Cam Newton these next two weeks. I think the fundamental tension is the offense the way that they've run it for years. Right. Versus the offense that can be run with Cam there. And they were in the process last year of pivoting toward that style of offense. Yes. the Tim Tebow offense that Josh McDaniels had constructed in Denver after he made Tebow a first-round pick in 2010. Never actually used it because he got fired before Tebow played in 2011. But the idea that we're, we're embracing right. a skill set that can allow us to do a lot of different things... Versus now we have a guy that we deliberately went out and scouted and drafted because we think he can do the things that the old guy did. That's that's I think the tension right. here. I think so philosophically, too. it's the two playbook tension too, right. and that's something they didn't have for 20 years when Brady was the starter. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, there's no doubt.
3: You know, I mean, I, I think you, you know what, what we're you know it's funny as you're talking there, kind of just popped my like what we're talking about here is like. You know, hey, yeah, Cam Newton, he plays. You're going to get a New England Patriots style of football that won the first two Super Bowls there in the early 2000s. Run the ball, you know, be a little conservative in the pass game and push the envelope when you have to. And our defense is really good, and we'll play that way. But, like, what you're saying, too, is with Mac Jones, if he keeps coming along the way you hear and everything keeps looking good, they could look at it and go, like, wait. Well, we could switch to the 2007 New England version and just put pressure on everybody throwing the football and doing those type of things. You know what I'm saying with the 2000, the, the, the Brady and the shotgun era when that started where they could go, we could put pressure on people by just executing and having all these great you know, uh, schematics in the game, in the pass game and all those things and pick people apart. They just got to determine whether they think Mac Jones is ready to do that at a really high level and attack that way and can do that you know, they do know Cam can play that other way and do some successful things. And now with a year off and more talent around him, I would think they're expecting, you know, better, even better results than they got last year.
1: Three and a half years ago, Josh McDaniels was slated to become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. It did not happen. Frank Reich, who wasn't even seriously considered by the Colts before the wink-nod deal with McDaniels got the job. And here we are with... A lot of changes, a lot of different quarterbacks in Indianapolis sparked by the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck. Carson Wentz, two weeks as of yesterday removed from foot surgery, kind of came out of the blue. Optimism as of last week that Wentz was trending in the direction of being ready for week one. Frank Reich was asked about the status of Wentz's foot injury and subsequent surgery yesterday. Here's what Frank Reich had to say.
2: We're at the two-week window. We feel good about where we're at at the two-week window. You know how I like to – what I like to say about these kind of things is I just don't see the advantage of me trying to project that out. I mean, I can just tell you we feel good about where we're at right now. I I think that's the main thing. I think Carson and Q have done a good job, um, you know, in the rehab process with the right mentality, um, getting the work done that they need to get done. And I think it's, it's all been good.
1: Frank Reich meeting with reporters yesterday from inside of a fishbowl. Uh, huh. the, the, I don't understand. I, I, did, I, don't, I don't get it, but that's okay. Well, I guess he's blowing out
3: do, the background, just in case, you know, there's something there. He doesn't want, you know, somebody like you picking up on it
1: and writing on pro, pro football talk or something. Pick a different background. What I do get <laughs> I, it, What I do get is this. Yeah. Th- there's a balance. You don't want Carson Wentz to do too much. You don't want Carson Wentz to have that sense of urgency that I've got to be ready to go right. week 1 against the Seahawks. It's the Seahawks for crying out loud. I got to be ready to go. I got to come back. Right. I got to prove that last year was a fluke. I got to be I got to prove that I'm not injury prone. I got to prove that I'm tough. I got to prove that I can do that. No. What you got to prove is that you're capable of listening to the advice of the doctors and the trainers. And you're going to take the time necessary to heal the foot. That's the tension right now. Because, yeah, they want him back. But you also don't want him to start overworking, overusing, overexercising. And then the next thing you know, it's closer to 12 weeks than five weeks until he's ready to come back. Yeah, that's right. I mean, quarterbacks are
3: psychos in general anyways. You know, And, and you know, we've heard enough stories about Carson Wentz. I mean, listen, you could say what you want about him. We know he's tough. And he will try to play through injuries and do those type of things. And you laid it out perfectly. I mean, he's feeling the pressure of, I got traded in this new spot. I got to wipe away the bad memories everybody has of me last year and all those type of things. And the pressure of, wait, you know, everybody's telling me this Colts is a Super Bowl team. They're in the Super Bowl window, right? So I think Frank Reich is trying to not put expectations on Carson Wentz at this moment. So, so he, you know, like you said, doesn't push it or re-injure himself or do something like that. But, you know, there has got there is urgency in that building. I mean, that's the one thing that, you know, you look at with the Colts and their football team. You know, as I talked about with you a few weeks ago, I, I do think they expect Wentz to be back very early on, week one or two. And, man, they need him. I mean, you know, bottom line is, I don't know. Is there a tougher first half of the season in football than the Colts schedule that's where you look at it and you go holy crap, Ola Batman like this is real and now they might be starting a rookie quarterback the first two weeks to where you go this is a really good team that could be in a hole early on in the year if things don't go the right way
1: yeah they don't get a break until week six when the Texans come to town that is a tough tough run man through the first eight weeks, but for week six, that's right. seven very difficult games right out of the gates. They do need Carson Wentz, and they need him to be ready to go. And when the injury first happened, there was so much speculation about what they would do. Would they trade for Nick Foles? Are they looking for another quarterback? Would they want Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, first of all, Wentz could be back. That five-to-twelve-week window that we got both for Wentz and for Carson or, or Quentin for Nelson. Quentin Nelson, who had right. the same surgery the next day, Five to 12 week window. But, you know, we've seen the philosophy of Chris Bowler, the GM of the team, take root, which is I'm not going to go out and get desperate. I'm not going to give up a bunch for some guy that we may not even need. We've got other guys here. And it was Jacob Eason at first, Chris, but at some point last week, all of a sudden, oh, they really like Sam Ellinger. It made me wonder well, maybe they don't really like Jacob Eason if an undrafted rookie is getting an opportunity to be the starter week one if Carson Wentz isn't ready. But, you know, they, they, they have a fallback plan, and now it consists of two guys vying for a job that who knows which one will get it. And they had exactly 39 snaps each in the preseason opener against the Panthers.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you first off. Right off the bat, you're right. When Last week when I saw Ellinger was getting first-team reps, I went, uh-oh. That means Jacob Eason didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities he had. At least that's what I, what I took it at. That's what would be my experience there. Now he started the game, and it's 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 inter- interesting. I mean, Eason has a big time right arm. He has great size. He could take advantage of more of the skills that the offense has to offer a quarterback as far as, yeah, there's talent at receiver, you know, especially if Paris Campbell stays healthy. You know, you'll see him in the game go up the left sideline for a go route and stuff like that. Here it is actually. Right, that's Paris Campbell. See, Jacob Eason, you don't really have to change the Carson Wentz type offense. They're going to be able to go, no, physically he can make all the throws and do everything like that. You know, you could see here the size and the way the ball flies off his hand is real deal. It really is. There is it's a gifted arm. You know, but it's gonna be about do they trust him? You know, I think that's what it really comes down to with Jacob Eason, because he is a little bit of a gunslinger and things like that. And, you know, that's where the Ellinger thing comes into play a little bit, Mike, between uh Ellinger and, and, and Eason as far as the two different styles of play, and can they trust Eason just to let it go and, and make some of these plays, you know, as far as no no experience going into year two.
1: But just the fact that you pivot away from being all in with Eason and doing everything to get yeah. him ready for week one and start diluting the reps because something about Ellinger has caught your eye, but you're still not ready to go all in with him. I think the sooner that they pick one or the other and get that guy ready for week one, right. that that's, that's what will make me, if I'm a Colts fan, comfortable with where things are because I want one guy to be the guy. And all efforts being made to ensure that he's ready when Seattle and the Colts get together to start the season.
3: No, no doubt. Yeah, like you know, first off, I think the the first preseason game, Jacob Eason won. You know, the look test, the evaluation, at least in my opinion. You know, it made a lot of big time throws and plays to where you go, yeah, that was impressive. You know, he's, he's got some talent and skill here. He can hit Michael Pittman Jr. deep down the field and Paris Campbell and, and T.Y. Hilton and really make some plays that way. You know, but within those guys, as we know, big arm young guys, there's risk. You know, he's going to try to fit a ball in Seattle with Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner, and I can fit it in there. And the ball gets, you know, tipped in the air. But then there's a guy like Sam Ellinger, Mike, who – has played a lot of college football. He's got experience. You know, he doesn't have the big right arm. He's going to be a little more conservative with what his throws are and things like that. He can manage a game. And then the other aspect, because you can see there, you know, he's not a gifted thrower. It's a long motion. Uh, it's not beautiful. But, you know, hey, if you're open, he can get it. But this is what he can do, Mike. And I don't know how much you watched Texas football the last few, year, few years. We weren't worth watching a whole lot. But... He can bring that, like, Cam Newton element of football, too, where they might be able to run the quarterback design, run stuff like you see here. Pull guards, let him go behind. He did a lot of that in college football, and that, to me, is going to be the million-dollar question. Do they want to go conservative, Sam Ellinger, let's control the game, manage the game? Or do they want to play the way they envision their team playing the whole offseason and take a risk that Jacob Eason can do it and not make turnovers and do things like that.
1: The, the full extent of my Sam Ellinger knowledge before this year consisted of the fact that when he was very young, he wanted to be Chris Sims. Guys got me ooh, big aspirations. The decisions of his parents. <laughs> but uh, if you don't know Sam Ellinger, here's a quick chance to get to know him. He spoke to Peter King during Peter's training camp tour. Here they are.
3: What has this been like for you to just come in and
1: to say, wow, I might be playing? Well, obviously, I uh, never want injury to anybody. Um, so to be in this situation itself is, is crazy. Wasn't expecting that and didn't want that for Carson. Um, but, you know, just, just coming in and trying to prepare and soak up as much information has really been my strategy. You know, control what I can control. I can't control the reps that I'm getting. I can't control anything outside of myself and being prepared in that. And that was kind of my approach. And um, you know, obviously, things happen, and, and you're asked to step up to the plate, and I'm glad I prepared the way that I did. And there is Sam Ellinger. And, look, if Carson Wentz isn't ready to go against the Seahawks, it's going to be Ellinger or so, Eason. Yeah. One big, go, one big takeaway I have from all this, they got Brett Hundley on the rester, roster, roster, right. roster or roster, either way you know who we mean. But I, I remember there was a time when Brett Hundley coming out of UCLA was – it's supposed to be pretty good. Right. And he has faded fast now, and he's not even in the conversation for a guy who may get on the field in the event that Wentz isn't ready to go. No, no, I know. I mean, it it, it is
3: uh, – you're right. It, you would think maybe Hundley would get in the conversation here a little bit more. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the big thing is, to me, more than anything, is they just got to figure out how they want to play. And this is the question I want to ask you, Mike. I mean, do, can they – do you think they can – Beat Seattle, the Rams, the Tennessee Titans, the Miami Dolphins. So let's just say Seattle and the Rams. And again, I have a lot of respect for Sam Ellinger. But with a conservative passing game, we're going to play through the defense. We're going to control the game, run, manage, do that type of thing. Do do we realistically – that's, that's, that's where they got to figure it out to me. You're right. I'm not sure either. That's why I'm asking you and just talking about it because yeah. – yeah, they could, they could risk losing a defensive struggle or or whatever
1: in that type of football game as well. They've got a very deep and very talented receiving core, yeah. and you want to be able to show it off. You want to be able to use it. You want to make it a big part of your game plan, so you want a quarterback that can get the ball to the receivers. And you really don't need the quarterback to run all that much when you have very good running backs no like doubt. Jonathan Taylor, who was excellent last year. Marlon Mack, who was backed by virtue of the fact that he tore an Achilles week one, so it's not like he was going to go anywhere else. So they have extremely talented players. Naheem Hines floating around in that mix who can do a lot of things for the offense. You don't need the quarterback that that can tuck the ball and run and I think look part of the analysis has to be if we get off to a hot start without Carson Wentz. Have we put ourselves in a Nick Foles type of a situation where you know, I, I think folks in Indianapolis would fall in love with the rookie. Rookies always have that extra, that extra vibe to them, and you get a rookie who plays right away, and it creates a lot of buzz. And oh, Sam Ellinger! Oh, we're two and zero oh with Sam Ellinger. I just, I think, given some of the issues that we know of, or that we've heard about, or that that have been on the radar screen about Carson Wentz in Philly, I don't know that you want the Colts fans to pivot aggressively to Sam Ellinger. I think there's less of a risk that they're going to to be smitten with Jacob Eason, since with him it's clearly that he's the guy who's holding the spot for Carson Wentz. With Ellinger, you know, I I I I, 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 just, you. I, I think there's a chance that that the Colts could create a monster that they really don't want if Ellinger plays well and the fans fall for the rookie. Right, yeah. He'll have the underdog, like, wow, I can't believe this. This is so
3: awesome. Look on his face and all that, which is infectious. The team gets around it, like, yeah, look at this guy. He loves football. He can do all those things. Listen, the guy can lead. He's tough as hell. Like, there's no doubt about that when I t- we talk about Sam Ellinger. But, you know, you're gonna miss something in the passing game. That's that's for sure. That Jacob Eason can deliver. And you know, I, I listen. I think it could go the other way too. To your point, Mike. I mean, if Jacob Eason comes in there and they go two and zero and they throw for 315 yards and he makes a big, a lot of big throws and things like that, you know, people are also gonna go, wait, why did we trade for Carson Wentz? Didn't they like this guy? Look, he's pretty good. You know, so yeah, they're gonna. They're going to maybe have to deal with that talk either way, but that's a good problem to have. They'll take it when we're talking two and zero. Okay, we got to figure out how to deal with this Carson Wentz situation or whatever else. You said it; they have a really good football team, and just from the outside looking in with no knowledge, I think it just comes down to kind of what we talked, of, what we've been talking about. Can Jacob Eason continue to make the Colts coaching staff trust him as they get closer to the regular season? That's That, to me, is the million-dollar question, you know, and not try to, you know, see, fit every ball into every tight window and do those type of things. If they trust him, he will be the starter week one. If they don't, you're going to see Sam Ellinger, and they're going to have to play a slightly different style of football around, you know, his skill set and, like I said, not that big right arm that Eason has.
1: It's got to be a tough time to be a Colts fan, though. A bigger picture, yeah, right? Andrew Luck, the perfect handoff from Peyton Manning and the owner of the team, Jim Irsay, bragging that they would win multiple Super Bowls with Andrew Luck. And remember, there was the comment that Irsay made about they had the Star Wars offense under Peyton Manning, but they didn't win all that much by way of hardware. And it's different with Andrew Luck. And then Luck retires, and they just kind of ping pong around with different quarterbacks. And then when they they trade for Wentz, if you're a Colts fan and – you're dealing with people who aren't Colts fans. What you hear from the non-Colts fan is, oh, this guy's injured all the time. It's like, no, he's not. He was healthy in 2019. He was healthy in 2020. He had the concussion when he took an illegal hit from Jadavian Clowney. But you've been defending him, and then all of a sudden, right into the training camp, he's gone. Like, right. I, I, there's, There's got to be kind of a quiet exasperation if you're a Colts fan already with Carson Wentz, which I think, to get back to our original point on the Colts, creates an even greater temptation for Wentz to yes. overdo it to no try doubt. to just end this discussion about right. Eason or Ellinger. It's me. I'm back. I'm not injury prone. I'm ready to go. Let's go win some football games. I, I
3: think that's – I I would bet really that's the reason Frank Reich is trying to not make – he pro, he knows Carson Wentz. And, and he, that's probably why he's trying not to put pressure or expectations on the situation because Carson Wentz is sitting there going, oh, crap, I've seen this story before. I need to get back. Holy crap! I don't want this guy to get in there, make a few plays, win a few games, and then they go, "Oh, the hell with you know Carson Wentz." I'm sure that's a big part of. I'm sure that's in his brain. It's got. To, it's in every competitor's brain that way. So we'll see where it goes. You know, like we said, I don't expect them to be out much longer than the first week or two. If at worst case scenario, so uh, be interesting. But a really good football team. All right, two things. All right, where's your lean week one? With Cam Newton and Mac Jones because we didn't get to wrap that up. Like, where do you think it's going to go? I know it's early. We've only seen one preseason game. But, like, where's your lean right now with that?
1: I think it's going to be Cam Newton. I think it's easier to switch from Cam Newton to Mac Jones, and it would be to start Mac Jones and realize, ah, we kind of made a mistake. Let's go with Cam Newton. So I think it starts with Cam Newton. I like your logic there. I'm behind that one. All right. And then, you know, here
3: here we are with the Colts. Like, you, you're going to lean. You're going to lean. Where are you going to lean here? You think it's going to be Jacob
1: Eason until he screws it up? Or if he does screw it up? What do you think there? I, I just – I think the fact that they would – undermine the ability of a guy who was a rookie last year had no preseason snaps to get ready for week one there's something about him they don't like there's something about Ellinger they do like and I just have a gut feeling it's going to be Ellinger if Wentz isn't ready but but I I I think that they're going to move heaven and earth to make sure that Carson Wentz is ready and they'll tell us he's definitely ready. We're not rushing it and then everyone will sit back and hold their breath to see whether or not the foot goes or something else goes on Wentz. Right. I think it's I think Wentz will be. I just think Wentz will be back for week one. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm We'd see you. a greater urgency to get one guy ready for week one if they truly believed that Wentz wasn't going to be back.
3: Yeah, I, that, that could be a possibility too. Why we haven't heard a lot of like trade talk out of there. I mean, listen, they're not. They can't trade for Nick Foles like we talked about a few weeks ago. Come on. That you want to make your team a disaster and do those type of things? Now they could sit back and you know, maybe wait for another guy to, to get released at the end of training camp to get him as an insurance policy or something like that. But, yeah, I can't imagine that guy starting week one in that type of scenario. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of expecting Wentz from what I've heard too through the grapevine to be that guy week one. And if not, I think Jacob Eason will have to play poorly the next two games to not be the starter, you know, if Wentz isn't ready to go week one. Well,
1: here's the other issue you have too, Chris. If you go out and trade for somebody, what are you going to do with Easton and Ellinger? You apparently like both of them. Do you right. want to have to make a decision on whether or not you're going to dump one? Now, one could be yeah. injured and stashed that way if need be, but you complicate your quarterback depth chart if you add another veteran and you have two backups, young backups, that you already like, and you know you've got a spot for Carson Wentz, I just think that that, that's another reason to not do it. And Chris Ballard is never going to react with desperation. He's never going to go out and put himself in a position where another team can say, oh, you want this guy that we would otherwise be cutting? We want a third-round draft pick for him. And uh, you know there are plenty of GMs, GMs out there who will feel that that urgency and do it so i i just i have a feeling it's going to be whence and either way i think they're going to stick with the three guys that they currently yeah, are talking about right. yeah i'm with you all the way all right good all right. talk you good colts and titans at the top of the afc south yes i am thank you very much at the bottom of the afc south the jaguars and the texans texans have a franchise quarterback who is with the team but still not practicing what is up with deshaun watson where do things stand we'll break that down pf pft live continues right after this That was Deshaun Watson on Thursday last week, flashing a little frustration. He had been at practice four days last week. That was Thursday when he expressed irritation at the fact that they were filming him as he walked off the field every day. This week, so far, he hasn't been at practice, wasn't there on Monday. We'll see whether or not he's he's there today. A strange situation, Chris, What all around. Right. On the field, off the field, and this is rooted in two things. One, He doesn't want to play for the Texans. Two, the Texans want to trade him. I said two things. There's three things. And three, the complicated legal situation that currently is surrounding Deshaun Watson and making it impossible for the Texans to get what they want in trade for Deshaun Watson. That's the real issue here. The Texans want what they want. They want three first-round picks plus— And the teams that are interested in Deshaun Watson take a very different approach. They say, hey, this isn't January. Circumstances changed in March. There are unresolved legal questions that go to the core issue of his availability to play football. If, and it's a big if at this point, and I'll set aside the 22 civil lawsuits because, number one, they're going to take some time to resolve. Number two, they don't have the same aura that criminal charges have, especially it relates to the possibility, number one, of paid leave and number two of incarceration. You got 10 criminal complaints. You have a grand jury that at some point is going to hear this evidence. We don't know whether or not the prosecutor is going to zealously pursue an indictment. If you really want to indict Deshaun Watson, you can indict him. The standard is low. Probable cause. You can present whatever evidence you want that is one-sided if you choose to do it. My understanding is the prosecutor is going to have more of a balanced approach because if you're the prosecutor, you don't want to end up with an indictment where you think you can't turn it into a conviction because you can't surpass the very high bar of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So the Texans are in limbo right now. No one is going to give them what they want for Deshaun Watson until the criminal process is resolved. So we've got, as we've talked about, with other players, but in those cases, it relates to their contracts. With Watson, it just deals with the broader, I want to be traded, we want to trade you, but we can't right now, awkwardness. And the Texans have to come up with a strategy, Chris, for dealing with it.
3: I, I know. <clears throat> I, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. I, I mean, never seen anything like this. I, I really haven't. I mean, it's... it's. Uh... It's uncharted waters as far as superstar, no doubt, one of the five best quarterbacks in football, and we got no clue when he'll play again, where he'll play again, and how this is going to shake out. I mean, I I mean, my first base thought right off the bat is like, come on, like Houston Texans, you're crazy to think you're going to get three first round picks right now in this environment. There's just no way. There's absolutely no way. And like you know, like you said, like. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, as as far as some of, the, some of what's out there right now, yeah, there's still people in league circles that think this is going to get figured out and it won't be that bad and all of that. That's cool. Unless you're the one having to actually make the decision to trade. Like, then your butt's on the line. You know, whether we hear about the Eagles or the Dolphins or, you know, any other team out there that's involved. Like, yeah, it's easy to say those things and cool, but – you know, once you're Chris Greer or Howie Roseman, and now you got to make the deal, and you don't know what's going to go on. Yeah, that that changes your life. That's a ch- life-changing decision as far as your job is concerned. And for that for that matter, I just don't know how the Texans can expect that. And I don't expect any team to make that type of trade offer and go, oh yeah, we'll just see how it plays out, and we're not sure if he's going to play or be able to play, or we just have to pay him money for the year and he's going to do nothing. There's too many weird circumstances around this to think that you're just going to get a, you know, trade at base value
1: for a superstar player right now. No way. I spoke to a GM, and this has been seven, eight years ago, about the hesitation to draft players who have a history with marijuana, whether it's suspensions at the college level, whether it's a positive test at the combine when everybody knows they're going to be tested. Like, why do you care? Why do you care? And the response was, I don't care about that. Guys smoke wet marijuana. That's not an issue for me. The issue for me is using a draft pick on a player who, boom, is suspended for four games. And then, boom, is suspended for eight games. And then, boom, is gone for the year. That's when I got to answer tough questions as to why I wasted a draft pick on a guy who can't play. And even though it's an entirely different context, the, 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 the fundamental notion is still there. How do I, as a general manager, justify to the owner of my team that I gave up all that stuff when I wasn't sure that Deshaun Watson is not going to be placed on paid leave for all of this season and maybe into next season? How do I do it without being sure he's not going to be eventually convicted of some sort Of a felony sexual assault charge, and then not available to me for years because he's behind bars. The uncertainty is what's keeping the Texans from getting what they want in trade. And I think, Chris, what they've decided to do, and the Texans have been so dysfunctional over the course of the last year. You know, I I I don't know how much of this is the result of conscious thought, but I think what they've decided is we got to find a way to keep Deshaun Watson on the team while These issues play out, specifically the criminal case, whether a grand jury and my understanding is the timeline. Nobody knows what the timeline is. Nobody knows whether or not the grand jury is even in the process of receiving evidence. We don't know whether the subpoenas that were issued last week are for documents or for show up and testify at this time. We don't know that. I did some digging around this weekend to try to understand where it all currently stands. So I think the Texans just want to hold it in place. And and they hope that Deshaun Watson will wake up one day and say, all right, get me ready. I want to play football. But I think they're content to keep him around, maybe stash him on injured reserve. We've heard about ankle and calf issues. That's a convenient path to put him on IR. And they understand that after the season, maybe, possibly, likely, we'll know where things stand from a criminal standpoint. There'll be no indictment, or maybe there'll be an indictment, and there'll be a a guilty plea to misdemeanor charges which is entirely possible and then we can trade him after that then we get the value we'll pay him the 10 million to be around this year even if he doesn't want to play next year we'll get three first round picks plus because the teams that are currently hesitant won't be then I think that's the, the loose strategy the Texans are employing.
3: Uh, I'm glad you went there because to me that, that's the only play. It's the only play. I don't know for them to like run their team the way they want to and maximize their greatest asset, asset uh, to me that is the only way. You're right, and Mike. I, I'm with you. I was just about to say the same thing. You know, unfortunately, yeah, with Deshaun Watson, that, that, that could be, you know, stink and be annoying or whatever else. But like the Houston Texans, what's the point of trading them right now? What's the rush? You know, they're, okay, no, you're not going to get what you want right now. I mean, you know, teams aren't going to trade for them and be like, hey, we traded for a new quarterback, and, you know, they're going to be sitting there biting their nails, being like, I hope the indictment doesn't happen today. I hope the indictment doesn't happen today. I mean, what a great, like, welcome to town. Hey, look, we traded for this guy, three first-round picks, and he got indicted today. Yes, what a, what a trade. Like, I just – that's not going to happen. But like you said, if there's some light at the end of the tunnel after the year and we start to see, wait, this is going to work out and those things – Then they can maximize their deal again. And, of course, that's way before the draft to organize your draft plans and free agency plans still nonetheless. And I I think that's their only play. So I'm with you there, Mike. Here's my other thing. And maybe this has been out there and I haven't heard, but, like, will Deshaun Watson play right now for the Texans? If they were right now like, hey, come on, you want to play? You want to be the starter? Would he do it? That's where I don't. I don't even know if I know the answer to that. You know, is w- w- what what is his current stance? Is it absolutely oh. I will not play, or is this like a just a concerted both like team effort to go wait? Let's just sit this out and wait till this kind of works itself out.
1: I think he currently is not inclined to play. They've had him at fourth on the depth chart. I think he showed up for training camp because he still knows there's a chance he's going to be put on paid leave if you don't show up for camp if you hold out right the nfl doesn't have to make a decision on paid leave so meanwhile you're racking up fifty thousand dollars per day in non-waivable fines and it's not like the texans would have waived the fines anyway they're not happy with him he's not happy with them i think there's kind of a uh, of a, of a loose understanding, understanding yeah. here that, yeah. that okay, this is what it is. You don't want to play for us. We don't really want you to play for us. We've kind of moved on from you. Look at all the quarterbacks they have. right They've got Tyrod Taylor, Jeff Driscoll. They drafted Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. Yeah. They kind of want to turn the page and move on too, but they know they can't trade him for what they want. They could cut and run now. and Look, I suggested weeks ago one thing you could do is – Come up with a conditional package based upon number of games he plays this year, next year, the year after. You tie draft picks to that. Teams don't like to tie up multiple draft picks, though, on a conditional proposition where it can be as low as a four, as high as a one. Well, you've tied up your first round, second round, third round, fourth round pick. You can't trade any of them now until we know whether or not you're going to give up which specific pick based on the number of games he plays, that's the fairest way to do it. And the other side of this too, and look, we're in football mode and we're talking about football matters. There is a serious off-field issue that Watson needs to take seriously and get resolved. And I said way back in March, just as we were starting to understand the avalanche of allegations being made against him, he's got to find a way to make this right. And I suggested early on, get everyone in a room get a retired judge, allow the individuals who believe their rights were violated to speak their mind in a setting that is kind of like court, but not really. Give them a chance to get justice via a settlement with Sean, Deshaun Watson. Give them a chance to, to have Deshaun Watson explain that he understands now, that he's grown, that he's learned. that Because there's enough admissions made by his lawyer, Rusty Harden to put all of this in an area where, at a minimum, at a minimum, He needs to do some explaining as to assumptions that he made when entering some of these massage therapy sessions as to how it was going to go. So that should have happened in March. The fact that it didn't, and really in hindsight, Chris, the moment that individuals who were suing Deshaun Watson began to file criminal complaints, and eight of them have, two other people who have filed criminal complaints have not sued him yet. They still could. They're still in the statute of limitations. That's when it took on a different feeling. And and that's when with that many people involved, that many allegations against Deshaun Watson, a grand jury is going to have to resolve this at some point. And and it's, it's up to that process now. We take a step back and we trust that the criminal justice system will reach the proper conclusion. And the bottom line is these are serious allegations that need to be taken seriously. And we defer to the appropriate authorities. As they, as they work through it. But we don't know when that's going to happen, and that is the key. We don't know when, so the Texans can't do anything, the teams interested can't do anything, and they have to find out a way to coexist with Deshaun Watson in the interim.
3: Yeah, no, I know. It, it's crazy, but, I, I mean, I mean yeah. I, I don't see anything happening anytime soon or anything like that, unless Deshaun Watson just pu- starts to state, like, hey, I want to play. I want to start. I'm ready to be the Texans quarterback this year. And then I, I would be interested to see what happens if, like, the NFL would actually step in or something like that. But, yeah, I just can't imagine somebody trading for him right now with all the things you laid out. Uh, laid out. And and like we've said, for me, if I'm in Nick Casario's shoes, I'm sitting there also going, there's no way I could trade him right now because I'm not going to get the value that is proper for this player.
1: You know what? You made a great point there that caused yeah, a neuron to I flicker know. in my brain. Right. I, I, I think that it's entirely possible. And again, yeah. I don't want to give too much credit to the Texans because they have been so dysfunctional over the past couple of years. It's entirely possible that the league, which is driven by PR considerations more than anything else, right? They don't want Deshaun Watson on the field. Maybe they don't want the PR hit that comes from putting him on paid leave. They just don't want to do anything. Let's not draw any more attention to this than already has been drawn to it. And the best thing to do is just let the Texans cuz the Texans are going to pay him anyway yeah. whether he's put on paid leave or whether the Texans decide to just hang on to him and put him on IR right otherwise not on the field then the problem's solved yeah. the NFL never has to put him on paid leave if they can convince the Texans to essentially put him on paid leave i i, I think that may be what's going on i that I, that's what
3: if you made me bet money i would bet that there was yes a little handshake wink wink let's do this Texans and NFL and they came together with, with the conclusion you're saying. I mean,
1: that's at least what it looks like to me on the outside looking in. Easy conversation to have. Hey, look, as long as he's not going to be playing, we don't have to take action. But if it looks like he's going to be playing, that's when we have to potentially take action. Okay, there's the message sent. And you know what the league office is going to do, so you just you go this other route. Right. And, and that may be exactly what's happening. Here's what's happening now. We're going to take a break. When we return... A point of emphasis yet again. It seems like this is a point of emphasis every few years on taunting. What's allowed, what's not allowed, and whether this really is another indication of the no fun league. More PFT Live right after this.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans
3: who ever was.
2: I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We saw over the weekend the first example of the point of emphasis regarding. Taunting and this seems to happen, Chris, every few years where it's a point of emphasis. There it is. The 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 motion directly to the opponent. That's the kind of thing that gets you in trouble. I remember being in some of these meetings where you know you can spin the ball generally, but if you spin the ball in the direction of an opponent, then it's taunting. And I feel like it becomes a point of emphasis every few years because the officials don't want to call it. The officials understand there's emotion involved. The basic concept is if guys are engaged in these kinds of behaviors, there's a greater chance there's going to be a fight. I I don't know that I can sign on for that idea that there's going to be an all out brawl on the field just because there's a display of machismo after a guy makes a good play. But that's the line that the NFL believes it's trying to to walk here and – And every time it's a point of emphasis, we get a social media reaction that it's the no fun league. Your thoughts? Well, I know. I I do. uh, You know,
3: I want to see players be excited. And I do like players, you know, sometimes getting in each other's face and talking and having that, you know, talking trash and having the emotions of the game and everything like that. But, you know, like I, I do think. What I think that does bother me and what the NFL wants to get at, and I think what also, you know, for lack of a better way, pisses off players, especially defenders and things like that, or offensive guys, is when that guy, like, makes a play and stands up above you and, like, stands over you, and, you know, again, lack of a better way to say, it, like puts his crotch all up in your face and stuff and like, yeah, I made the like, mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like that's going to that cause a, a reaction and you deserve to be, you deserve to have a penalty on that. That's the one where I'm like, yeah, that's not cool. That's disrespectful, period. That guy should be able to get up and get in your face and get mad and be pissed and all those type of things. But I just hope they don't go too far. Like you said, where like, we're spinning a ball and not looking at anybody. And now we're going to throw a penalty and things like that. That's when it does you know, bother me. And it it does become the no fun league.
1: And I think getting up and spinning the ball is okay. But if you spin the ball at the feet of an opponent, that's when you've crossed the line. And, and, and I, I still, I, I don't believe that this is the kind of stuff that is going to result in in fights on the field you know it's one of the reasons why the celebration rules were what they were for so long until 2017 when there was a dramatic relaxation there was this bizarre thinking that when the guy scores a touchdown if he's gonna do something over the top use the ball as a prop group celebration whatever you're gonna have a rumble in the end zone and I'd like to think that we have a little more faith in the guys who are wearing the uniforms that they know how to control themselves and not get into fights because that's definitely when 15-yard penalties right. are going to be meted out. That's So I, I just... I, I, I think that the reason people get upset is there's just a certain element of, well, we can't really trust our players to be responsible mature adults so we have to eliminate any and all situation where they may be tempted to start beating the crap out of each other
3: well yeah I think it's like the to me it comes back to like the personal personal disrespect or respect thing there that's where it comes like I think the players like to your point you know you know came to terms with wait you know that team scored a touchdown okay they're allowed to celebrate and they're allowed to have their fun as long as it's not like doing something directly at us to be disrespectful i think that's where it gets into that taunting and you know the crotch in your face and all those type of things all right so i think that's where they got to get and to me in my experience too that's where players do get pissed off when you, you make it a personal type thing now how far does it go we just showed those like tyreek hill plays there with the throwing up the deuces like a week is that are they talking that this year like are they exactly but,
1: but he gets flagged for that from time to time. From time to time part of he it is, has. Part right. of it is do they even notice it and are they willing to pull the flag and be the no fun league official? That, I, that's part I that's know. why it's a point of emphasis. Because too many guys won't throw the flag. I just I, I
3: hope like if he doesn't do it and turn around and put it in somebody's face, I hope he can still do it and throw it up in the air and they can like be the referees can realize like, listen, he's just celebrating, he's running the end zone. What's the difference between that and high stepping in the end zone like Deion Sanders used to do? You know, as long as you don't Get in someone's face and do that. To me, I think a lot of it, wh- 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 where I think the jump off a little bit, and you tell me, is just the, the thing that happened in the Super Bowl too. I think that that to me is probably one thing the NFL looked at, and went like, we don't like the look of this in our big game here with Antoine Winfield Jr. getting over the top of Tyreek Hill and yeah, doing it back to him. Uh, but I, I just hope they can have that you know, that governor of of like you know not being too strict with this.
1: Yeah, maybe they're concerned not just about retaliation in the form of a fight, maybe they're concerned about retaliation in the form of even more overt taunting, like getting in his face, and that being one of the enduring images from Super Bowl 55, Yes, once the game was decided, Antoine Winfield waited until... Don Meredith was somewhere singing, turn out the lights, the party's over to put the fingers in his face with the chiefs. You don't want to do that prematurely because you know what the chiefs can do. Hey, Chris, one more point, because uh, today is the first day that anyone who pre-ordered the Madden 22 game is able to play it. Hey, there's a button on the controller. You're running into the end zone. You hit that button. You can hit it anywhere. You can yeah. hit it in the field of play. Right. And you don't know what the animation's going to be. And they stick the ball out. They taunt. They they they, they do things that potentially would result in a foul. Right. So, you know, the NFL licensing and shield and logos is all over that game. You, you want to send the right message. You better take – there'd be a lot of people upset if you take that out Definitely. Of the Madden game, I
3: guarantee you that. Definitely, it's one of the things I look for. I don't play much anymore, but when I do play, my little boy, man, I love to taunt him as I'm going into the end zone and doing something like that. So, uh, all right, you know, they what do they say in EA Sports? Listen, if it's in the game, it's in the listen, game. So I don't know if in it's the be well, in the game. Well, that, that
1: means, well, no, maybe it's there. You can still do it, but you you worry about uh, point of emphasis, and you're going to get a 15 yard penalty. You need to get a PS5. I got a PS5. Okay. Somehow, someway. My wife is very diligent. She's managed to find one for pretty much everyone in the family who wants one over the course of the last nine months. You need to get a PS5. You need to get Madden 22. You want to play online? You need to get hooked up. Yeah. And I will kick your ass. <laughs> okay. All right. No, I, I, might, I, will be the I might take that challenge. Sam Ellinger at quarterback. Right. And I will kick your ass. Okay. it Sounds good.
3: We'll see about that. All right there, and, Slugger. And I will taunt you. Oh, uh, yeah. I know you will. I'm sure. Uh, but I, uh, let's be, be careful about you thinking you're going to kick my butt. I, there's a little more football knowledge here and a lot of years of playing Madden with these fingers and thumbs. I used to be pretty damn good, so I'm not going to go down easily.
1: Yeah. But I think you're kind of like Shaq trying to f- shoot free throws. You know, his hands were so big, he couldn't quite like, you know. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's right. I yeah, think right.
1: I think you've got like the big giant ET fingers all over that controller and you don't know how to. Well, it you is know, why I like the Xbox right. controller. Like I want to tell you get an Xbox and then we can play
3: cuz that's what I would rather play on over the PS5. But okay, it's all right. I'll I'll
1: I'll bow to you and try to do that and we can have some fun. All right. All right, good deal. Let's take a break. When we return, Chris took a look at the film of a couple of young quarterbacks who are expected to make a jump this year. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Jalen Hurts, and the potential secret weapon in Pittsburgh who could be the successor to Ben Roethlisberger and Dwayne Haskins. We'll do that next here on PFT Live.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.